I want to read John chapter 8, verse 36, and then we'll be looking in 2 Timothy. But tonight the whole theme is around freedom, is, is walking in freedom in Christ. And this is a very important topic. And honestly, when it started raining, and, and you just know when, when it starts to rain, then the most likely a lot of people aren't going to come. And that those people who do come are like the sold-out Green Beret of Christianity. Like, that's you guys. Not that other people don't love Jesus, but y'all are like in it to win it. Uh, and you have your rain boots on, and it doesn't matter if it's raining or snowing, you're coming to church. And I was like, Lord, why do you have us preaching on this subject tonight when, when it's, it's kind of worked out this way? And I just felt so strong in my heart that God has this word for some people in this room. And some of you in this room, you're at a position, you're at a place in your life that God is gonna do something in you tonight and start something in you tonight that's going to change the directory of your life. And so I want you to lean in. I want you to expect, I'm not gonna preach long. Can somebody say amen? Okay, maybe I should preach long. I didn't say amen very loud. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to be very pointed. We're just going to kind of dive into this. But I, I love the scripture in John. And Jesus is speaking. And he's talking about a subject of freedom. And he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Another way, maybe just to paraphrase it, is if Jesus makes you free, which he is the son, then you will be free. You will be free. And I just have the opinion that God wants believers to walk in complete freedom, not partial freedom, not freedom that's just somewhat seasonal when we're doing really well with Christ, but I'm talking that your life is free from the bondage of sin, that my life is free from the trap and the snare of sin and the enemy, and that we live in such a way that God can use us. Like, for real. Like, God wants to use your life to impact other people's lives. And I thought about a couple of years ago, I was in Kenya with my dad. My dad's the greatest man I know. And we were in Kenya, and there was a large team from here. And we were in Nairobi, the city of Nairobi, and we were going every single day to, to schools elementary schools and high schools and even, and even colleges and universities. And we were going, all the teams would just break up in the morning. We leave in the morning and we get in these matatus. And if you've been to Kenya, you know what a matatu is about. Man, it'll change your life. We'd get in these matatus and they're bumpy. And we'd go and we'd preach to thousands of kids and students. And, and with a span of a week, we'd have the opportunity to preach to Fifty to 70,000 students who were able to hear the greatest message of all, the message of Jesus Christ, and hundreds of students would be set free and saved. And I remember uh, in, in Kenya, if you've ever been to Africa, you know you never know what you're going to see when you're in Africa. Anybody been to Africa before? I don't think you really lived until you go to Africa. And we're driving, we'd leave the hotel, and we would leave the Brackenhurst is the name of it, and we'd set out. And I started noticing every single day that there were donkeys everywhere. Like donkeys just walking down the street, donkeys just like sitting in the sun, donkeys who would just go sit and chill in the shade, and there were just donkeys. There was everywhere, donkeys. And it's unlike here, you know? Like you don't drive down the interstate and just see donkeys, right? I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. And there's just these, these donkeys everywhere. And I remember we would leave and we'd see donkeys. We'd come home, We'd see donkeys, and there was this one donkey that, that I, I just remember it. It was crazy. I'm going somewhere with this. There was this one donkey that was tied to a stake, 
And every single day, we'd pass this donkey. And there are all these other donkeys just walking around, chilling, having fun. And this one donkey was tied to a stake every single day. We'd leave the Brackenhurst, go to a school, preach the gospel, come home. Guess who we'd pass? That sad, poor little donkey tied to that stake. And I, every single day, just thinking, man, what, what, what happened to that donkey? Like, all the other donkeys are having fun. That donkey is tied to the stake, and he can't get away. And there was just like a five-foot rope on him around his neck. And there that little donkey he was. And I remember one day when we were coming back, maybe it was the Lord, maybe it was just me, but just this thought hit me. And the thought was this, is that many Christians, and even myself sometimes, many Christians, our life mirror the life of the donkey who is tied to the stake. And this donkey, he would battle. Some days we'd pass him, he'd be stretching out, man. He's trying to rip that rope and he couldn't do it. And he's just battling, he's tied to that stake and he can't get away. And I just felt so strong in my heart, man. God, help me not be like that donkey who is tied to something that is limiting what you want to do in my life. That's holding me back. And during worship, I didn't intend to go in this direction, but this is what I felt like the Lord dropped in my heart so heavily. Sin will hold you and I back from the purposes and the destiny that God has created for you to do. And he has people, listen to me, he has people for you to reach. But sin will keep you locked in. It will keep you caged away from the potential that God has for you. And it will pull on you. And it will hold you. And you're saying, God, I want to be free, but you're not seeing freedom take place. I believe that tonight, God can set you free from those things. He can do things that you thought were never possible in your life. That in just a moment, and as you walk out of this place, and you start to practice some things, that God can do something in your life that you thought was never possible. And I just thought, you know, what, what keeps us bound up in sin? Anybody ever battle with sin in here? Okay, good. If you're not raising your hand... You're battling right now. You battle with sin. But you know there's a difference between sinning occasionally, and, 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 and I say occasionally, I say every day, I sin every day I feel like. But you, you, you sin, you think something, you do something, you say something the wrong way. Anybody say amen to that? Uh, you get upset with somebody. There's a difference between those moments and then like a sin that has you. A sin that you cannot seem to pull away from. And, and it's wrapped around your neck just like that donkey. And man, it's just got you by the neck. And I don't know if you've been there before. Maybe you're there tonight. But that is a place that no Christian has to be in. Because just like we just read, if the Bible is true, then it's true. And if the Bible says, whom the Son is set free shall be free, then it can happen. But what keeps us bound? Just quickly, just some thoughts. First thought is what keeps us bound as far as living in a way, what, what the scriptures talk about as iniquity is practice sin that's habitual, just over and over, nonstop, day in, day out. It just has a stronghold on your life. The enemy has a stronghold on people's lives. That sometimes people's heart just grows callous to the things of God. That your heart is no longer pliable and sensitive to what it is God wants to do in you. And there's something that maybe used to be when you first started to practice it, it felt uncomfortable because it was the Spirit of God saying, hey, this is not what I have for you. But the more you practiced it, the more you engaged in it, the more your heart got hardened to the things of God. Who's been there before? And with 
with time, that thing that used to be uncomfortable has become normal to you. I thought about it this way, just to make it sense in the natural. I remember the first time Bethany ever asked me when we were dating to hold her purse. I mean, you guys, you know what that is like. And she said, hey, I'm going to run in this store. We're dating. I'm in love, man. I'm like thinking, oh, this is the one. And she says, hey, I want you to hold my purse. And I think, what in the world is happening? And I remember holding that purse. <laughs> I did it, man. I held the purse. Fell into sin. I was holding the purse. And I remember how awkward I felt, how strange I felt. I'm not supposed to be holding a purse. What am I? I'm, I'm, I'm a manly man, you know, right? Kind of. I'm holding a purse. And, and she just goes and does her thing. And I'm like hiding the purse. I'm like putting the purse underneath my shirt. I'm like, please, no one see me with the purse. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel natural holding the purse. But I've been married for close to 12 years. And I've been holding her purse for close to 12 years. Now some days, I start walking like I was made for that purse. Like I've gotten so used to it. I'm confessing my sins to you tonight. I've gotten so used to it, I'm making sure that purse matches my shoes, everybody. I just started practicing. What used to make me feel uncomfortable has become comfortable. And you gotta be careful in life that you don't become comfortable with the sins and the traps of the enemy. I pray our hearts are always pliable in God's hands. And we say, Lord, I don't want anything attached to my life that is not of you. If it's lust, it's lust. If it's pride, it's pride. If it's arrogance, if it's materialistic things, if it's slander, if it's gossip, if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's substance abuse, Lord, I don't want anything attached to me that you don't desire attached to me. Don't get comfortable with sin. Because when you get comfortable, I've been there before, you start to justify your actions. You start to rationalize in your mind, well, this is no big deal. This is, this is no big thing. And meanwhile, what happens to our life is the enemy starts to tie a rope around our neck. I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but I am talking about the enemy having a stronghold in your life and pulling you to his stake, and the rope is sin attaching you to it, and God says, I've called you to be free. Don't become comfortable with sin. Another thing, just quickly, that sometimes happens and we get bound to things that we shouldn't get bound to is that we have a sense of letting down our guard. And, and man, we just kind of feel like we've arrived spiritually. And maybe that's some of us in this room. Like, we know the scriptures. Like, you grow up in Sunday school, and you like, you're like a master swords drillman with the Bible. And, and you know the songs, and, man, you can sing it. And, and, man, you can say the right stuff, but yet you know in your life you become comfortable in the sense that you've let your guard down with sin. And spiritual pride, please listen to this, spiritual pride will get you in this place. I have in my bathroom, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to say it's a warning to me. I'm in my bathroom, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, be careful those of you who think you stand, least you fall. Because the moment you think, I've got this thing, is the moment the enemy is licking his chops and saying, oh, you think you got this thing. Spiritual, spiritual pride will get you. It will, it will entangle you, and it will lead you in places that you never intended to go. Be careful when you see somebody struggling with something and say, man, what's wrong with him? I would never battle with that. You might not battle with that, but there's other things that get you. 
You start letting your guard down, you find yourself entangled. And then the final thing, I didn't plan on saying it, and then the, today I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this, is some of you in here, you've been tied with the rope of sin in your life, staked down to the ground, and this is where you are. You're at a place where you are ready to give up. You're a place where you say, it's just not possible for me to win in this area. Man, I, I know other people have victory in this area, but it's not possible for me to have victory in this area. Man, that is a lie from the enemy. I don't care how strong that temptation and sin is in your life. God says that with any temptation you face, he makes room for escape that you may be able to bear it. And you say, man, you don't know what I deal with. You don't know long, how long I've had this addiction problem. You don't know how long I've had this, this problem with lust or this problem with whatever it is. God says he don't care how long you've had it. And just surrendering to him and saying, God, I believe and trust that you're able to defeat this thing has been defeating me. If you will do what you can do, I promise you God will do what you cannot do. And he can set you free tonight. Y'all with me tonight? And I grew up in church, and, and I grew up kind of in a Pentecostal church. I know some of y'all didn't grow up in that environment. But Pentecostal churches, they just like yelled at you, tell you just to stop sinning. Not all Pentecostals. I, there's great Pentecostals, you know, it's great. But some would just be like, just stop sinning. Anybody been in a service like that? Y'all look at me like crazy. I'm going to give you an example since you haven't never been in a, Stop sinning right now. You know, just like yelling at you. Just stop it. And I remember as a kid, I'm thinking, man, this guy's upset. And then you grow older and you start battling with things. And they just still saying the same message. Just stop it. Stop it. And you're like, bro, you're not helping me at all. Like, just stop it. If it was that easy, I would be free, you know? Just stop it doesn't help. But the scriptures give us practical instructions that help us overcome. And not just, hey, stop sinning. You're going to hell, you know, that type of thing. You know, not just that, but gives you practical instructions of how to overcome sin. Second Timothy, and this will end the night. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Paul's writing to a young man by the name of Timothy who's a pastor. He says this, flee also youthful lust. Everybody shout flee. But pursue, somebody shout pursue. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Two things, two instructions that, that Paul writes to Timothy. The first thing is to flee. If you're taking notes, the first thing is when you face temptation, if you want to face freedom in your life, you have to get good at running away. I'm going to say it again. You've got to get good. I mean, like, good at running away from temptation. Like, where you don't just stay around temptation and flirt with temptation and hope that you can overcome temptation. Well, I'm strong enough. Man, I, I, got, I got what it takes. No, the Bible says flee temptation. Run away from it. I came up with a little rhyme. I have to work hard on these. <laughs> Pastor Mike says them so naturally. So maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But just act like you do. It took some time. Even Terry Olivier had to help me out. I need that much help. Don't stay and play, but flee and it will go away. Okay. Okay, yeah. That bombed. I should have just skipped that part. But, but don't stay and play with temptation. You got to flee away. And, and, and you say, man, what are you talking about? What, what's that even look like? I, I've learned so much from trying to eat healthy. 
Anybody ever tried to eat healthy in here? Okay, fantastic. Like, I try to eat healthy, and I'm one of those guys, my wife can attest to this, this is the truth. I'll just like make a decision one day, okay, for the next month, I'm not gonna have anything that tastes good. Like, I'll just, I'll just go for it. Anybody like that? Like, you just, shit. Like, Ryan Frith will come up to me and like say something about my love handles or something, I'm like, forget it. That's kind of weird, he does that, by the way. But I'll just say, okay, I'm gonna eat so healthy, so clean, and I'll just eat protein and vegetables and fruit. Any healthy eaters in the house? And I'll just drink water, and I'll drink milk and coffee, but I'm not eating fried food. I'm not eating sweets. I'm not eating any type of desserts. Man, I'm not eating chips. How many of you love chips? Not eating uh, donuts. I love donuts, man. I think heaven's gonna be filled with donuts. I love donuts. And I just, I just say, I- I'm done, and I'm not gonna eat anything bad anymore. And I'll call Bird, my friend, and he's kind of my accountability partner with it. I'm like, Bird, you hold me accountable. And I just cut it all out, and I really do. I just, I, Bethany hates it when I do this, but I just go all out. I'm like, forget it. I'm not doing it. But this is what I found. If I'm going to be successful in doing that, then when I go to the grocery store, I've got to be careful of what I purchase and bring back to my home. I don't go to the grocery when I'm trying to eat healthy and just load up on some double stuffed Oreos, which I love. I don't go there and get potato chips. I don't go there and get all these things that I know my flesh is going to cry out for in the middle of the night. Because if it is in my house, I'm done. But if I cleanse my house and I control environments I control, that's a picture of fleeing away from that temptation. And too many times as Christians, Lord help us. We know what it is that gets us. And we just have it right in front of us. Or we just entertain it and we just think, well, I I think I'll be stronger today. No, you won't. Oh, I think I'll just be be strong enough this time, man. I'm feeling filled with the Holy, that Wednesday night service, man. Woo! I just feel like I am ready for this temptation. No, you're not. Flee the temptation. Don't entertain the temptation. Go away from the temptation. What does this look like? Very practically. And I'm just going to list some very specific things because the Bible's specific. But if, you're, if your struggle is lust and pornography has had you or just unpure things have had you that you look at, man, know what is a trigger to get you in a position in a place where you're not supposed to be. And, and, and I talk to guys and they'll say, man, I'm battling with pornography. And they'll say, and, and, and I keep looking at stuff on my phone. And I, I just say to them, get filters on your phone. Get blocks on your phone. And they're like, well, I tried that, but I know how to get around it. Then I just tell them this. And I say the same thing to myself. Get rid of your phone. You say, man, that's crazy. Get yourself a flip phone, my friend. Like somebody in this church has a flip phone. I believe it. Who has a flip phone? Let me see you. Not that you're in sin, but let me see you. Okay, right there. Okay, you got a flip phone. You, you're good, good though, man. Get yourself a flip phone. And you say, man, I'm not gonna do that. I won't be able to have internet. Who cares? You are cutting the rope of bondage off of your life. You say, no, man, I'm not going to be able to do that. And then people say, hey, you know, I I battle with this, and and, and they don't put any boundaries around them. Don't get on the Internet when you know you're weak and vulnerable. If you've got to get on the Internet just at the library, like where other people are, then just go to the library. Like do whatever it takes to flee temptation. Some people with, with alcohol. And maybe it's just one, two, five, seven people in here that alcohol gets you. 
Man, I mean, it really gets you. And, and you go on these binges, and you do okay for a season, and then boom, hits you again. You're on these binges, and, and you say, man, I want to I defeat alcohol. But you've got alcohol in your house. When you get home to your house, when you get there, it should be such a place of peace it should be such a place where you're not feeling like you're pulled constantly by things. Man, your home is a place you can control. There are places you can't control. But some places you can, and do whatever it takes to control those places. Other people in here, please hear me. The people you're hanging out with are pulling you away from Christ. And you got to be careful with this conversation because Jesus didn't pull away from, Christ, from unbelievers. He, wasn't, he didn't pull away from them, but also Jesus was the Son of God, and he never sinned. And, and we have to be wise as serpents. And I'm not saying not to reach out to lost people. Please don't leave here tonight and say, well, preacher man said I got to flee sin. So I'm not talking to any sinner. I'm not saying that. But there are some people in your life that you know when you get around them, you start doing life with them, your life starts to get attached to the bondage of sin. And, and, and maybe they don't mean to, but it affects you. Don't do life. I mean, really do life with people who are pulling you away from Christ. Not until God gets you to a place where he says, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready to be able to make a difference, but right now you are not ready. You have to know that inside of your heart. Is this making sense to anybody? You gotta know that. And, and, and I'll go back to this. I meant to say it, and I know this might sound kind of weird, but I just felt pressed to say this. Is even, with, even with things that you read, like going back to the, the lust and the sexuality side, and be so careful with what you read. There are books out there that, they might not be a movie, but they're so descriptive and so wicked and so just blemished by what the enemy wants to distort in our society. Be careful what you pick up and even read. He said, man, you're giving us a lot of don'ts. The Bible does too. The Bible says, watch out for these things. Because when the moment you think you're greater than that is the moment that that rope of sin and bondage starts to attack you. Be careful with it. Just a couple other thoughts underneath this section is specific places. You know places that I don't know where they are, but just places that you have been to in the past or maybe you've entertained before and you go to those places and those places start to get the best of you because what's taking place in those places. And when you think about going to those places, you know, man, if I go to this place, I know that the enemy has a chance of getting me run away from places that get you. Like if you're driving down the interstate or you're driving down airline and there's a place that has gotten you, you start speaking in tongues against that place. Like for real. You, you start rebuking the devil as you pass that place. Like I will not step foot in that place. You say, Dave, why are you saying all this? Because man, sin is real. Bondage is real. And the enemy wants you to be bound forever, but God says, whom I'm set free will be free indeed. Watch those things. Maybe some of you, last one under this section, maybe some of you, you're trying to live pure and you're in a dating relationship and, and you're not setting yourself up for success. And you, you, you're with the person you're dating late at night and it's just the two of you. Fleeing temptation in that sense is having some very clear boundaries. We're not gonna be together past seven o'clock alone. I don't know, whatever it is. You, you gotta take some extreme measures, say, Lord, I don't want my life to be bound to anything that you want, don't want it to be bound to. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to flee these things. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, run away from these things. But he doesn't stop there. It gets so much better. 
It's just one thing to run away. But then he says, I want you to pursue righteousness. A lot of times preachers stop with just run away from sin. And then you just run it. I'm just running. Okay, I'm, I'm gone. But you're not running to anything that's going to sustain you. Like you, you've made the, the decision and the steps to run, but if you're not running after some things, then you will stay bound in the things that God has called you to run away from. It will start to pull you back. How do you know this? Because I've experienced it before. And I've experienced it in my own life where the enemy just says, I've got you in this area and starts to pull you back. But you've got to chase after some things. You don't just cleanse yourself and say, okay, well, I stopped doing these things and don't fill yourself. Anybody remember the, the passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 12? This Scripture used to always get me. Where Jesus is talking about a man who was possessed by evil spirits. And he says that that man was possessed by an evil spirit and the evil spirit was cast out of him. That evil spirit went out into the desert and, and he was dry there and he could find no rest there. And he says, I'm gonna go back to the home in which I was cast out of. And he goes back to the person, which the home is symbolic of the temple of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he says he went back and the Bible says that he found the home, this is interesting, empty and clean. You would think that's awesome, empty and clean. He ran away from some things. The Bible says this, Jesus speaking, he says the evil spirit went and got seven more demons that were stronger than him. Read your Bible, it's in there. Seven more stronger, and they came back to that man. This used to trip me up so much. I thought, man, what in the world are they talking about? Everything was cleansed. Everything was whole. Everything was clean. It says the house was cleansed. It's one thing to run away from things. It's another thing to run after the right things and start to fill your life with right things. And when the enemy comes back, he sees a life that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He sees a life that is filled with the things of Jesus Christ. Keys can go ahead and come back up. He sees a life that, man, you have pursued some things that has made a difference inside of your life. And I just kind of made me think, too, just going back to the whole eating healthy. I try to eat healthy, get rid of stuff in my life, and then I'm starving to death. Anybody been there? And you're like so mad because you're starving, and you start thinking about food in ways you've never thought before. You're like, I'm about to go just destroy McDonald's. I don't even like McDonald's, but a Big Mac is coming my way. Getting to, I love ice cream from Chick-fil-A, man. I love that stuff. Milkshake. I start thinking about all this stuff. I'm getting hungry right now. I haven't eaten. <laughs> getting hungry. And this is why, though, where you don't fill yourself with the right things, you will still crave the wrong things. And it's one thing to say, I'm taking off running. I'm fleeing temptation. But it's another thing when you say, I'm running after the one who can fulfill me. I'm running after the one who is able to take any weakness, any shortcoming, any void, any emptiness in my life, and he can fill it with purpose and destiny and hope and power. Fleeing protects you, but running after will empower you. And you get filled with the Spirit of God. Doesn't mean you're never gonna mess up, doesn't mean you're gonna stumble, that you're not ever gonna stumble, but man, you have something going on inside of you that the enemy says, man, something's changed about them. What is it that you need to run after? Some of you need to run after some community spiritual community, where you get around people that will hold you accountable. 
Amen. They speak truth in your life. And you're able to be honest about what you're dealing with. And you need to run after that. Some of you, you've, you've just abandoned. We can abandon God's word. You've got to run after God's word. If you want success, you've got to have this word inside of you. The same scripture, John chapter 8, that says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed, is the same text that says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This right here is truth. Not my own imagination. Not my own thoughts. Not my own rationale. Not what makes sense to David Ray, but what is in the Word of God is truth. And if I'm abandoning this book, then I'm opening myself up for the attack of the enemy. Some of us need to run back to worshiping Jesus. Like, I mean worshiping with, with a reckless abandonment. That we wake up in the morning, we say, God, I'm going to worship you today. Lord, I'm going to live for you today. I'm going to shout your praises today. And when you start to do that, the Spirit of God starts to fill your life. And the enemy comes back, and he wants to tempt you. But you're so full. You're so full with other good things that you start to not even desire the things that used to have you. I know we've been talking a lot about food, but I just want to keep it on there as we close. Think about when you eat a great meal, a healthy meal, and you eat a lot. Maybe you go to Texas Day Brazil, and you just load up on all that food. Maybe that's healthy, maybe it's not. In my mind, it is. And it's just, you just eat all that steak, man. You have chicken, all that. And then they come at the end, they say, hey, do you want carrot cake? I love carrot cake. But when you have eaten so much good, your flesh will say, no, thank you. Your spirit, when God fills you in your spirit, Come on, some of y'all need to get this. When he fills you in your spirit, because you haven't just run away, but you start to run after. And your spirit is filled and your mind is filled and the enemy comes and he starts dangling that thing that used to have a control of you. But you say, no, I'm running away from it. And in fact, God has filled my cup so much that I don't even desire that like I used to. There might be weak moments in my life, but man, my life is changed. My life is transformed. My life is new. God has done something rich inside of me. And that which used to own me, now it owns me no longer because I'm running after Jesus and he changes it all. If you agree with that, why don't you clap your hands in this place tonight. I hope this has been helpful. I remember one night, I hear my son, he was about four years old, and I'm in bed, it's like two o'clock in the morning, and I hear this scream, like so loud, like scary scream. I'm thinking somebody is chasing after my son. And he, he's running, he's screaming, and he starts yelling out, monsters, monsters, remember he's yelled out, and yelling out monsters, and he comes busting in the bedroom. I'm sitting up, I mean, parents, you can relate to this probably. I'm sitting up and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? What's happening to my son? He, he, he's screaming, and he comes running in. I mean, on mission, and he's heading right towards me. I can barely see. You know your eyes are adjusting. I can barely see, and I'm sitting up in bed, and he, like, lunges towards me. And when he was four, like, he's grown into the size of his head, but when he was four, his head was just, like, enormous on his body. And he lunges towards me, and he's yelling, Dad! Dad, and he's screaming I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And he runs and he, he jumps and he lunges towards me. He's yelling my name, he's scared. He lunges towards me and he headbutts me in the head so hard. I mean like so hard. 
And I'm thinking, oh my, what is going on? It's terrible. Any parents had anything like this happen before? Okay. Have kids. It's fantastic. Head butts me in the head. Big old head. Head butts me in the head. And, and not only that, I'm not trying to be crude, but this is, you got to understand the full story here. He had, he had used the bathroom on himself. Number one, he used the bathroom on himself. And he's like all wet. And out, he's like, what are you telling the story for? I got a point. And he runs, he head butts me. He's wet and he's screaming, dad, dad, save me, save me, save me. And I remember him getting in bed and I was just, what, what's going on? And I remember that night, the Lord showed me something so important. Because my son was facing something that was real to him. And my son, man, he, he runs in, he's used the bathroom all over himself, and he jumps in bed with me, and he's like, save me. And I thought later, I thought, man, I'm glad my son knew where to run to. I, I'm, I'm glad he knew that he could run to his dad for safety. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't too excited about the mess that he brought. I'm thinking, oh, you know, a little bit, oh, girl, get away. But, but this is what I love. It don't matter how messy your situation is. It doesn't matter how bad you have blown it in the past. You have a father who is not asleep on you. I was asleep. But you have a father with his arms open wide saying, I'm just waiting for you to run after me. And when you run and pursue him, that cord, that rope, I guarantee you by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ will be severed in half and you will experience freedom in ways you've never experienced before. Come on, you'll receive that tonight.